1: Good morning, and welcome to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater, and I am very pleased to welcome you to Military Network Radio this morning. I'm joined by co-host, Asambra Kimes. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you, Linda. I'm so excited about the topic today. I am as well. Today, we're going to be talking about vets and pets, a story of service and companion animals. And we have two amazing guests with us today. And service animals have played such a strong part in the healing and just the restorative power of care with another animal in the household. And it's so funny because I know that when I uh, talk to some families, and tell, you'll probably feel this as well, people say, I can't take one more task into my household. I I, I can't watch out for another <laughs> or one more thing on my list and yet to a person everyone who has obtained a service animal a companion animal a seeing eye dog is grateful that they've put this warm fuzzy amazing animal into their lives wouldn't you say that's been your experience as well Oh yes and it's, it's just so
2: therapeutic and it's so funny because my husband and i were just saying that he's like we have two dogs and two cats and he's like we need to get another one because I want it's one that's small that I can cuddle and you know uh-huh. I can love on and it can love on me and but at the same time I was like no we can't we can't have any more animals in here I don't <laughs> want to take on the extra responsibility and then just the other day he's like meet me meet me here at the store and it was a pet store and we went in there and I do have a, a little Cuddler, oh, so you just, you do yeah. have a
1: fifth family <laughs> member added. Yeah.
2: Uh huh. I'm one. not. I'm not disappointed at all. And I am, you know, I mean, I think just getting past the fact of the extra responsibility. I mean, the the benefit of having that, you know, just just I mean, to look at him, it gives me like, oh, I get I get happy and. You know, then my voice changes and I sound weird. But, but it's good. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's definitely needed. Um, you know, for for veterans especially, and you know, my husband, it's it's therapeutic for him as well. Um, and going around town, there's so many um, different veterans that I know, and they they have their service dogs with them. And you know, that it, it's just you know, vets and pets. I'm just like, oh, yay! You know, I just wish that there were little puppies here that little dogs just. You know, big dogs, other types of animals, I'm sure we're going to discuss all of that. But it's just it's so beneficial.
1: We are. And, and you know, I think one of the things that grabs you on social media are when you see those reuni- reuniting uh, a veteran and their pets, especially the canine Corps. You know, when they come together again, there's just something about animals. The other area that I find so warming is that there are many, many singleton vets who aren't living with a spouse or a a parent or a family member. And it really has proven to be very, very helpful for releasing depression, for having something else to take care of, to having someone who will not judge you or embarrass you, who will just love you because there's such an unconditional bond between pets and their animals and, excuse me, pets and their vets. And it is so, wonderful to see that so i see that helping so many veterans who either live alone or family members who right. fear it may add more work but find out that it doesn't and you're right about the varied categories um there are so many i i did a video on the considerations of taking on a service animal and what all the things you need to think about you know do you want a big dog do you want a small dog do you want a rescue mm-hmm. dog are you better off with a, a different Um, animal type altogether or some people really adopt say a horse at stable you know you know horses and equine therapy are marvelous as well so we'll hear about some different kinds of service animals and there are various categories of helping people because there are obviously guide dogs for the blind there are seizure sensing dogs which that just makes me amazed Right. completely. Um, there are those that sense the needs of autistic children. Again, that's that's just miraculous to me. And calming alternative therapies. So I, I think that we'll have a very interesting discussion today. So I would love to introduce our guests for today. We once interviewed Deva Guerin and Kevin Ferris on Military Network Radio when they wrote the book, The Mighty Moms of Walter Reed, which is a phenomenal up if you find that of interest. Deva has written another book, uh, also with Kevin, and this one is called, very appropriately, Vets and Pets. And we also have on today Leslie Nicole Smith, a veteran who has her own service dog named Isaac, which she said is the best dog in the whole entire world. (laughs) And we will talk to them today about the value, the benefits, the considerations, and the love that comes from vets and their pets. So I would love to welcome to the show, David Guerin and Leslie Nicole Smith. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, we're excited it's to be a, here. It's a, we are just so glad to have you on. So David, let me direct the first question to you. Perhaps you can explain to our audience how you go from The Mighty Moms of Walter Reed to this new book about vets and pets.
3: Well, actually, Linda, it was a great experience writing um, Unbreakable Bonds, The Mighty Moms and Wounded Warriors of Walter Reed. And as a result of that, you know, we've been involved with all the moms still in the veteran community, and a number of the people in the books who we profiled in our previous book had service dogs, and that got us to thinking, wow, wouldn't it be neat to do a book? Initially we thought about um, veterans and their service dogs, and our publisher said, you know what, can you expand it? And we would be really thrilled if you guys wanted to do a book about veterans and their pets of all kinds. And if you're willing to do that, we have a deal. So of course, Kevin and I were thrilled. And that's how the book came about. And one of the most amazing things that we found in, in this whole you know, journey is that there are so many amazing animals, service animals, companion animals, many of... The animals and the stories in our book, like Leslie's, have been amazing animals who were trained as service dogs but were abandoned. So um, that was very surprising in the role that a companion animal plays, as well as other surprising animals, horses, pot-bellied pigs. We have a veteran who even has a bird, birds of prey and has an amazing program in Florida where veterans come and can be healed by wild animals. So it's been an amazing journey. I think people will love this book. The stories are funny, heartwarming, interesting. Um, it'll be out next September, and I think it's going to really showcase just the love and the bonds between veterans and their animals and how they've actually helped heal their lives. Just like Leslie, Leslie will explain in, in her story, too, and she, we're fortunate to have her in the book, and her story is just beautiful about
1: her dog, Isaac. A perfect Aww. lead in. Thank you, Deva. Leslie, can you tell us your story? Oh yes, I'm I'm happy to.
4: And and I had served in Bosnia and ended up uh, losing my left leg right below the knee and vision loss has left me legally blind. And as I was dealing with these challenges, I started to realize that probably could really benefit from a service dog. I had seen some other veterans with their dogs, and, and I, I started to think, you know what, I, I do have these challenges that are worthy of a service dog, because I had been feeling, you know, somewhat guilty and thinking that my challenges weren't as, as complicated and everybody else should go before me. And I ended up reaching out to Canines for Veterans, And talking to Rick Harrison, the the CEO, and he more or less indicated that they had Isaac, who was ready to go and he had been waiting for his special person. And what I love about our story right off the bat is Isaac had been a stray running the streets of Myrtle Beach, was rescued, taken to the shelter, and people really weren't interested in adopting him, which is kind of crazy. He's a lab golden retriever mix, and they came Mm -hmm. in scouting for these potential service dogs, and thank goodness they did because Isaac was scheduled to be euthanized within 24 hours. So he was rescued, put into school for a year, trained by Marines at the at Camp Lejeune. And where I feel our connection and bond comes from is that we were meant to be together because when I had lost my leg at Walter Reed, I was placed on what they called imminent death status and literally given 24 hours to live and luckily yeah. I pulled through and I truly feel it's been fate that Isaac and I were meant to be together in the sense that we were both given second chances and with that second chance has just come this incredible connection and bond and friendship and I really I told Dave I really can't seem to find the right word that expresses that love and devotion of that Isaac has and I have for him because truly Isaac he is my hero my best buddy and I can't even imagine life without him and honestly I don't even really think of life you know before when I didn't have him because that's how much he has changed my life and the positive Aww. impact he has made for me every single day and he's just he is amazing and he definitely he is the best service dog ever <laughs>
1: <laughs> your your story gives me goosebumps. I mean, I, I do believe that it, I've seen vets and their service animals and, and there is a bond that you, as you say, it's hard to find words to describe it. But in your case, it does seem especially to have put the two of you together at the right time. I would love to ask both of you, either of you can take this question, because I think it's important for our listeners to understand the difference. Can you explain the difference between companion dogs and service dogs?
3: Uh, do you want me to take that one, Leslie? Um, sure. Yeah, sure. basically the difference is, um, and, and how it all began really was in the 1920s with the Seeing Eye Program. And then Mm -hmm. in 1990, when President George H.W. Bush signed the Americans with Disabilities Act, that kind of began to secure the place of service dogs in the lives of people who needed them, you know, for anyone who had a disability and needed a dog. But service dogs are different than companion animals or therapy dogs. Service dogs are specially trained. The training can take up to two years. And they are designed solely for helping people with Tasks that they cannot do because of a physical disability, and in the case Damn of it. veterans, let's stop uh, for
1: a second. We have we have to go on a quick break, but we'll okay. resume right after the break. Okay. Thanks so much. You're listening to Military Network Radio.
0: We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Are you looking
5: for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you. But it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the Woohoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Day has been celebrated in different ways around the world. In Italy, one tradition suggests that the first man a single woman sees on Valentine's Day was the man she would eventually marry. What's a word for the first person you see after you leave the house in the morning? A qual tag. In South Africa, some women pin the name of their love interest on their shirt sleeves, following an ancient Roman tradition known as Lupercalia. This is how South African men learn of their secret admirers. In America, it is widely believed that if women and don't receive a gift of candy, flowers, or a card from their guy on Valentine's Day, he's probably going to get dumped. This is usually the cause for a charrette or an 11th hour effort by men to buy their woman a Valentine's gift.
0: It's Martin David.
5: I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families and those who care about them. Together we make a difference.
1: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. My apologies for cutting you off David in the last thought you were just getting to the good part. So, we were talking about what is the definition and the Discussion about a companion animal and a service animal in terms of the categories?
3: So, the service dog, and really dogs only, um, and only certain breeds of dogs, by the way, can, now, this is for veterans can be trained as service dogs. And the service dogs are trained to do tasks that a disabled veteran cannot do on their own, and that could be anything from picking up keys to closing doors to turning off lights, all of that. Now, they that the cost of the dog... Um, and the training is covered by the VA. They don't pay for food and and for grooming and things like that, but they will pay. And then there are agencies that the VA supports that will provide those service dogs. So that's sort of the service dog model. There are also uh, therapy and companion dogs. While the VA doesn't pay for that, they are doing a long-range study to see about the efficacy of um, companion dogs for veterans with PTSD and hopefully at some point that will become a reality and then they'll be able to have dogs that help with that and the therapy and companion dogs really help with stress relief and, uh, and a lot of the symptoms of PTSD the calming effect um, and those are the differences between the two categories But they're also in companion animals, a a wide range of animals that can be used for therapy, and that's what we found that was so interesting in the book. There's a veteran who has a pot-belly pig rescue. Um, I was mentioning the veteran who has a birds-of-prey rescue for wounded veterans and horses. So many different animals can be companion animals, and they have been shown to really help relieve stress and just give a veteran um, well-being. And we found in a lot of these stories, when you read them, had amazing effects Um, imagine walking with a bird of prey on your arm as a veteran and and being healed from a severe case of ptsd
2: so you mentioned birds and horses and pigs and i'm thinking oh this is exciting so what are some of the more (laughs) are there any other unusual animals that you've discovered during the book
3: yes actually uh, there is a parrot rescue uh, which is surprising, too. You would never think. But a lot of the programs, while a lot of the animals or companion animals will live with a veteran, there are also programs that we have in the book and amazing stories of. People who are veterans or not veterans who started programs for veterans where they come to a location and they'll take care of horses, for example, not ride them, but be able to groom Mm -hmm. them and care for them. Um, We didn't have uh, one of the stories in the book, but an amazing woman who has a parrot rescue. People come to her place called Serenity Park, and they learn to feel better about life through just taking care of parrots. Same with pot pigs. You would never think that, but pot pigs are the fifth smartest animal in, in, the, anim- in the world, uh, with man being first. And they, you know, they found that people have been healed through just having pigs so or helping work with pigs in a, in a farm setting. So there are many, many different animals, and whatever works is, is great, because if it's going to help a veteran uh, feel better and live a better life, then it's, it's
1: worth pursuing. And I love thinking about these various different pieces. Now, you, you mentioned that the VA will pay for certain breeds and certain training, etc. I do know that there are many people who wish they could get service dogs, but the supply is often not up to the demand. Leslie, can you speak to that? Well,
4: yes. Now, for me personally, I feel like I was, Pretty really fortunate because uh when i had applied for isaac this is back in 2009 uh there there wasn't so much of that demand and since mm-hmm. since early 2009 the the increase of veterans realizing the benefit of you know service service dog or service animal has just grown and that's also too because of just the numbers of are service members returning with mm-hmm. visible and invisible wounds. And fortunately there have been many more organizations that have come into, you know, existence to train the service animals. And it the the downside though is just that it does take time. I mean Isaac was in training for a full year and to to actually receive a service dog that is trained to like assistance dogs international standards it does take time because i've realized like with isaac when i first got him i was actually nervous that i was going to mess up his training since he had been trained by marines and i'm thinking this dog is going to be really super sharp and what if i throw his hands and, and, and mess him up and you know and everything but what i have found is with his you know training and the schooling every day for that year it is Fully ingrained in him and what he needs to do, and and what I'm saying by that is over time because we are so connected and bonded, he doesn't even really need commands. It's the intuition and his ability to understand, say my needs or what it is that I need him to do, and I find that remarkable, and also because a result of the the training. So to really, I think, fully benefit. The service dog going through that amount of training, it just, yes, it does take time, but the reward in the long run is invaluable and just priceless and, and certainly well worth, well worth the wait.
1: You know, Leslie, I know that um, in, he had to be trained, so Isaac was trained first. But can you take us back in time to how the two of you were trained to work together?
4: Yes. Well, with the Canines for Veterans program, I went to Wilmington, North Carolina, where they're they're based. And actually, Isaac was at, like I said, the brig at Camp Lejeune. So we did a few days of training uh, there on site. I actually met the Marine who who had trained him, and we went over, you know, things for a few days. And their program is that you go for about a week time for your training together, so we did our few days at the brig and then we did a, usually about a day out in public we went to pet smart and to some restaurants and just you know learning to work with each other but with with me and isaac um it was such an instant bond that we actually left <laughs> training we were able to leave training a little bit early and i think that speaks volumes to, again, the program's training, but really also for Isaac and myself and just our connection and that chemistry and the dynamics that just set into place, I mean, automatically. I mean, the very, very first time I saw him, I just felt as if I had electricity running through me, like when you turn on the lights, you know, on the Christmas tree as a kid and it's like that overwhelming Aww. sense of joy and happiness, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's my dog he's going to help me and that feeling (laughs) the physical feeling the emotional feeling just solidified and I truly just felt safe I felt like Mm -hmm. everything was going to be okay and that has just empowered me and has given me so much confidence by having Isaac and the life-changing things that he's, he's done for me that gives me that ability and that confidence to go out and in public and not feel that I have to, say, hide or stay inside because of Mm -hmm. being a leg amputee and legally blind.
2: I love that. I love that you're sharing that because that brings me to the next question is, you know, how do you believe these animals heal the visible and the invisible wounds of war? And I love that you're sharing your story. And of course, I can't wait for the book to come out. But are there any other stories or any other feedback that you can give for that? Well, either actually, David or Leslie, but, either.
3: Oh, in in of the stories we have, and I think we have now four, fourteen truly amazing. And when you read them, you will not believe how amazing they are. Um, that <laughs> the number of the Jeez. veterans too. Who- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a number of the veterans who have have injured, had injuries themselves, PTSD, whatever it was, have also adopted animals as companion animals. And there's some really beautiful stories about one Army veteran who fell in love with a cat who was kind of goofy looking, but... He loves this cat, and the cat had some special needs, and he felt that because he had some special needs, they would be able to bond together. And every Tuesday on Twitter, the cat's name is Tessa, he posts something called Tuesdays with Tessa, and he puts pictures (laughs) of him and Tessa and what Tessa's done for the day. It's adorable, and you would never imagine this big army guy and this little, adorable, funky-looking cat – have this connection and because of this cat it's given him the feeling of being able to give back of, of feeling wanted taking care of something there's so many stories like that we have another story about uh one of our veterans is a veterinarian who had a crazy life a crazy life she adopted a, three le- a three-legged uh, Pitbull mix who was shot by a BB gun in Detroit was legally blind, and she felt that she had to adopt the dog because she's the only one who could really care for him as a veterinarian. And she said this dog has brought such joy into her life. And she does the same thing: post pictures all the time on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> it, it's just adorable. So, and the other amazing thing we found is the nonprofits out there like Pets for Patriots that works with veterans to give veterans um, companion animals, pay for them, pay for their veterinary care. And they actually hook up veterans through, I think, 260 shelters. And these dogs would have been euthanized if not for Pets for Patriots hooking veterans up with companion animals. And those stories are just absolutely beautiful stories as well.
1: I I love the the stories already. That's why I said you're being a tease on this. This is just really cruel, (laughs) cruel and unusual. Um, I I do know also that many vets, when it has helped them, we have about two minutes left, they begin shelters and, and dog programs themselves.
3: We have a couple of stories in the book of exactly that. We have a a wonderful woman, uh, Mandy Tidwell, who is an Army veteran who actually has lupus, and she's really not medically in great shape, and I don't know how... Much longer she actually has, but she herself has been healed by rescuing pot belly pigs. And she has this beautiful story about her first pig, and she started a rescue, and the pig is called Darwin. And she talks about how she was at a restaurant, and they were serving steak and potatoes, and her her pig used to call her mama, literally. And so the waiter came over to her and some, somehow called her mama, and she just thought, oh, my God, I'm never going to eat meat again, and that was the end of that. <laughs> and her rescue now is, I think, I'm four years old, and her mission is to have a place where veterans can live, homeless veterans forever, as well as pot belly pigs to rescue them because people buy them thinking they're so cute and they grow up because they're not ever supposed to be teacups. And, you know, so she's really been able to pair animals that you would never think with um, homeless veterans and herself being a veteran. This is how she's giving back to the world. Beautiful story.
1: It's a fantastic story. And I love the variety that you're talking about in the book. And I I really look forward to reading the book when it comes out. I I think that you are all painting the picture of the value, the, the unusual bonding, the this the the helping of one another and it's marvelous we will be back shortly after this next break and we will talk more thanks so much for listening to military network radio we'll be right back Your
0: military network radio and we'll be right back after these short messages
6: welcome to talking Ed, cutting edge radio
5: is almost here and the scarecrows or tattie dooleys as the scottish call them are out but halloween is all about trick-or-treating and that means candy the average american eats 24 pounds of candy a year and most of that consumption occurs around halloween what do you call a person who loves to eat a grand gozier popular costumes for this year are happy face and wink face emojis. Of course, since it's a presidential election year, there are various costume choices for those who wish to dress up as Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton or Republican candidate Donald Trump. If you ask me, the only thing scarier than Halloween this year is the presidential election. What's another word for the fear of Halloween? Samhainophobia. It's Carolyn davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app to funny for word
6: finally a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife the show is second wind here's what certified coach author and host of second wind joyce buford wants you to know
5: it's so empowering for women to
6: hear about. all need cheerleaders someone who's on our side second wind is that program to help women
5: connect with other women hear other women's stories
6: in a stressful world find power in those stories learn to discover your passions and joys again create the life you want to live to the fullest join us for second wind with joyce buford tuesdays at 9 a.m central right here on the toginet radio network
0: Back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Uh, You know, Leslie, I've got a question for you. Isaac and you seem to have a very, very special bond. Can you perhaps give a few examples of the intuition and some of the experiences that you've had with Isaac, and, and what makes it special to you?
4: Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Now, when I had actually received Isaac, I had already lost my leg, and I was already completely blind in my left eye. But about a year after having him, I had another major episode of vision loss, and I was back at Walter Reed. And he actually was uh, brought to the hospital every day for a short visit. But what is so amazing with him is that when I was released and came home, I came in and sat down right on the couch, and he got right in front of me, and he just we, he just stared at me, this dead stare. It was like he didn't even really blink his eyes, and he was, <laughs> I think, taking in what was different about me. You know, my, my eyes were bloodshot. They're black and blue. It was a mess, and it was as if he was just studying me very intensely, and then he snapped out of it, and it was like, okay, I got it. I know there's something different about mom. I've got it. But what was even more amazing with Isaac is the very next morning, got up, sat down on the vanity bench, kind of leaned over, started crying because I was legally blind. I didn't know what life was going to be like. Life was just kind of ripped away from me. Um, mm-hmm. And in the moment that I was crying, he just sat right in front of me and just with the softest, most gentle, as if like little baby butterfly kisses licked away my tears with the very tip of his tongue and every other kiss and i've gotten a lot of kisses from isaac because he's a lover had been like the (laughs) typical sloppy big tongue uh dog you know kisses but in that specific moment of tenderness and pure love isaac was saying to me i've got you mom don't worry i know you can't see as much I'm here for you. I'm your best friend. Just don't, don't worry. And I'll tell you, he has just given so much back to me that I am just so amazed at his intelligence and his intuition. And about a year ago, I was back again at the hospital. I was actually completely blind and Isaac was with me. He had ridden in the ambulance um, at the hospital. What's so amazing, is in all the chaos, the doctors, the nurses, in the little ER cubicle where I was, I could hear the nurses saying, I can't believe this dog. He's Nobody's holding on to him. He's tucked himself at the end of the bed to stay out of our way. He's knowing what to do. Each time, though, I got physically sick from the pain medicine, Isaac, I could hear them saying, he's getting up quietly. He's coming over to the side. And he would lick my hand as if to say, Mom, I'm here. It's okay, I'm here, I'm here for you, because at that point I was totally blind. and then he would go back to the end of the bed and tuck himself in under and I, I could hear what was going on. I couldn't see. And I'm thinking in my mind, I can't believe how incredible Isaac is. He knows exactly exactly what to do. and and for that, I just like I say, I just cannot imagine my life ever without him.
2: Aww, I love, I love hearing your story I can't I can't wait to read read more everyone else's story and including more of yours you know it makes it sound like it was such a simple decision for you to choose Isaac or for Isaac to choose you and I know sometimes that may not be as easy you know there are a lot of uh, consideration of factors such as you know the cost of the animals, training time with the animals, the bonding like you just shared with you and Isaac had. Uh, what did you find most intriguing about the fact that it's not such a simple decision?
4: Hmm. Well, i you're right. It, it I think it has to be something that you feel ready for. Like, you know, you, everything has to kind of click. And that's just from my perspective. Your your heart, mind, and soul has to click to be, you know, to be ready. But there is a lot that goes into it because of, especially with dealing just the general public with a service dog or a service animal. Because a lot of people feel very entitled that they can just pet the animal without asking. Uh, I've come mm-hmm. across that usually every time we're out. They don't uh, adhere to the do not pet you know, patch that could be on the vest uh, because people are animal lovers and I certainly understand, but I find it fascinating that people feel that it's their, say, right to know because a lot of times we'll get, oh, that's really nice. You're training a service dog. And I'll say, oh, no, he's trained for me. We've been together seven years. And then the next instant question is, well, why do you need a service dog? And oh my I usually will just wow. say, oh, well, he helps me. But it's amazing how almost indignant people can get with like, well, what's wrong with you? Like they're looking and it's like, not everybody, you know, has visible wounds. And some days exactly. I might have, ha- my prosthetic might be showing. It might not. Yes. I'm legally blind, but I don't really look it. I don't wear, you know, um, glasses or I don't use the cane. And in fact, I don't, I use just the Hulk or the gentle leader with Isaac. And so, It's been fascinating to me on that side, but also just, again, I I just truly feel that you have to be ready and everybody will know at that moment when it's time for, to say, bring in a service dog or a service animal into their life.
3: And, you know, Leslie makes such a good point. We have another story about an amazing uh, young guy, Justin Crabb, um, who has an amazing dog named Gnome. And he was saying in his story that before having the dog, he felt just, and I've heard this from so many of our wounded warriors, you know, you go out in public, and for the visible things you can see, people would be weird, or they'd stare at them, or he, he said he felt just so awful going out in public, but when he got Gnome instead of people just giving him the weird stares, they would come over and say, oh, your dog is so great, what's the dog's name? And then he would talk about Gnome, and then Gnome became, you know, part of, uh, of the discussion instead of what's wrong with him, and then after a while, it would get to his story. And it was really nice that he said that people, uh, like Leslie was saying in a sense, like sometimes you feel a little bit awkward or they want to pet the dog, but it gives... The wounded warrior a little bit of a break so that if he doesn't want to talk about what happened or even if he does, he has gnome to really kind of break the ice or like Leslie said, it's all about Isaac. Um, But the other thing that is so interesting is that a number of these animals who are service animals and or companion have been abused, abandoned or neglected in one way or the other. And I have a little theory. I don't know if it's true, but it just seems to me from doing the research and hearing everyone's stories that even if a dog uh, is is a service dog and trained as a service dog, dog or another animal who has been abandoned, And as a companion animal, they seem to have a greater connection with their veteran and their wounded warrior, I think, because they were abandoned. And Patrick Bradley, a Vietnam vet in our story, who is the birds of prey, amazing person, who had very bad PTSD himself from Vietnam and went into the Canadian wilderness for three years to study birds of prey, based on his doctor's recommendation, and he came out of it a changed person. So in his rescue that he started, it is remarkable. Every bird in there, I think he has 26 birds, everyone is wounded. They're missing eyes and feathers or all kinds of crazy stuff. But they relate so much more to a, a wounded veteran than even another animal who maybe didn't have that kind of upbringing. So I think that is really another wonderful thing we've discovered in the book is you know, if you've had issues on your own and your animal has, the, the bond can even be stronger.
1: That's beautiful. I mean, that, that really is interesting because you can see how it would be, excuse me, a bridge to engagement. Um, it, it offers something to talk about, um, and, and I'm glad to hear that, that people are so receptive when they see animals. Um, Leslie, I find it interesting that people feel they can pet an animal because i, I I thought it was pretty well known, but you're saying it's not that service animals are trained and and not pets per se, but you're saying that it's really not that that there are more people that it causes confusion. Is that the right word? Oh, yes, i
4: and I think also it's just an excitement because what I have found is mm. with Isaac being a web retriever, I will have people come up and just start petting and saying, oh, as a young boy, I had a dog that just looked like this. I've had people come up and say, oh. this is my dog, the girl, his name was Shadow, and Shadow looks exactly like your dog as they're petting, and the thing they don't understand about me is I have vision loss, so they don't know because I look normal, and I can't mm-hmm. see them petting Isaac until maybe a couple seconds after because Isaac moves or nudges me or something and then I'll have to say oh no please you know he's working and Mm. it's amazing because I've I've had people bark at Isaac I've had people get on the floor and men in business suits um be on the floor you know with Isaac and it's just amazing that they don't they don't ask (laughs) and you would almost think that a dog in this case Isaac specifically you know service dog in public with the vest you know, with a person it they would just know that you just don't go up and and pet the animal, just like you really in today's world, you wouldn't just go up to a baby in a stroller and just kiss reach out and touch <laughs> a baby. You know, it's right, it's, right.
1: It's exactly. same, you know, you know that's a very concept. good point. So I'm glad you bring that up because our listeners will now be much better informed. I I we have so many in local church. Um, so I, I think everybody knows to not pet the animals when they're working and I, I i that was my assumption that most people knew that these days but this is very interesting because I love how you also talk about um and I think David you mentioned this that it breaks through the isolation that people will engage so there's a there's a plus and a and a <laughs> cautionary note on the engagement portion isn't there dava
3: Oh, my goodness. And, you know, in America, there are literally, and I think this is an ASPCA statistic, but 70 million dogs living in households in the United States, 37 million cats, and other species. And pet owners spend about $60 billion a year annually on these pets. So we love animals. And if you see Isaac, I mean, really, we should all know, never pet a service dog. But he is so cute; you can see why. And, and Leslie's beautiful, so I think the two of them walking together—it's like, come <laughs> talk to me. Um, but that be,
1: you know, that's—you're everyone's that, kryptonite.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the two of them really—if you wait, till you see Isaac, and wait—and I don't know if you've seen Leslie, but really, you can see why this happens. But it is a really mm-hmm. good point to, you know, remind people that if they do see, it, it's a working dog. Part of when we um, were putting the book title together we had some different ideas and a few people said oh don't use pets because they're not pets and that is true and i think the the one thing is that if it's a service dog with a vest or any service dog for anyone with a disability most people should know never pet them they're working and when they have that vest on they are working when the vest comes off it's another story
1: but another break so we'll be right back after a short message you're listening to military network radio
0: We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
6: Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Bly Flipman on togynet.com. it's Flipman on Togginet.com.
5: Big girls don't cry, right? According to a recent Wall Street Journal article by Dennis Nishi, there's a stigma attached to turning on the waterworks at the office. 61% of men who reported crying at work cited personal reasons. An illness in the family, the death of a pet is the catalyst while 58% of women said it was something that happened at work. Being unfairly blamed or criticized, men are like mascara. They run at the first sign of hubba-boo. That's another word for crying. What's the word for the fear of intense emotion? Xellophobia. Women may have a better excuse for crying than men, as females have higher levels of prolactin, which encourages the production of tears, making it easier to be known as a lachrymist or someone who cries at the drop of a hat.
0: It's
5: I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Let's talk some more about some of these amazing animal stories, if you don't mind sharing some more. Um, Because I know that you said you had horses, service dogs, uh, the the three-legged dog. Um, Tell us a few, if you don't mind sharing them. Oh, sure. Um Sure. we're very thankful
3: to um, Beth Zimmerman from Pets for Patriots, who's, who really kind of helped us get going with some of the amazing veterans, and sh- her nonprofit helps veterans get companion animals. So, And they're cats and dogs primarily. But she has hooked us up with some really amazing people who have adopted older older dogs and that's another big issue people are afraid to do that you know thinking oh my gosh the dog won't live but we have a wonderful story um molly tasky a navy veteran adopted an older pit bull and this dog is again the best dog she's ever had She had suffered from PTSD, and this dog is so responsive. And because he's a little bit older, he's able to really, like Leslie was saying, anticipate her needs, um, really help her with things that most other dogs probably wouldn't be able to do. And the fact that they were all abandoned themselves ties them, I think, closer to a veteran who has a psychological issue. We have a beautiful story about a horse named Max. Max is a Morgan horse, and the Morgan breed, according to Debbie Demick, whose nonprofit is called Horses Helping Heroes, is great for dealing with people, for emotional support, and in her... Uh, rescue, she doesn't do any riding, and all the veterans come to just work with the horses, groom them, and there's a beautiful story about Max in particular, and all the veterans I've talked to, all of them have either traumatic brain injuries or PTSD, and Max has helped them overcome feeling isolated, feeling angry. Max, if they could, Max could sense when they were feeling really stressed out, and he would come and he'd nuzzle and put his nose and his whole head into their shoulder, and they would just say, Oh my God, I, I feel so much better now that Max is is there and they they write about Max as if Max is their son and Max has probably helped <laughs> dozens of veterans with PTSD and, and these are very, you know, severe cases a horse is able to do that, and that is just a remarkable thing. We also have someone else uh, who was in our book before, who also had a great experience um, with horses, which is surprising because not you know people don't really realize that. But uh, they're they're amazing animals, and they really help a lot with PTSD issues because of their you know they're flight animals, but yet they have this ability to connect with disabled veterans for whatever reason and there's some beautiful stories about that and we have another one of our um great people from unbreakable bonds tyler jeffries and his dog Mm -hmm. apollo and apollo i don't know if you've seen him he's a red doberman i have i've met him him. oh my goodness he's scary i mean he when they walk down he's a big boy go to the other side yes was very but he's just a big adorable guy now he was not approved by the va because he's a doberman Um, So he had him trained by Brandon McMillan from Animal Planet and a woman from New York donated the money for him. So Tyler figures he's about a $50,000 dog but he's just an amazing, amazing dog. So there's so many stories about that and especially with uh, veterans who you know, go to these places and like Stephanie Mason goes to a place where she rides a horse and this horse has right. given her new confidence. So I think all of those combinations of whether you have a service dog or a companion animal of any species, whatever works for you to make you feel happy in life and fulfilled and, and feeling you can get back to normal life is, is really worth it.
1: I completely agree. You had a question, Ty?
3: Well,
2: I I was going to ask about um, the foreword of the book, because I know we we spoke a little bit over the break. David, you want to tell us more
3: about it? Yes, well, we're really excited. Another um, big advocate of ours, and we appreciate so much, is Andrea Arden. And she is a host of some shows on Animal Planet and CBS. She is an expert dog trainer. I mean, you can. she's one of the people who is really in the top in the country. She is writing the foreword. And in the book, we also have a nice section of a lot of the animal (laughs) experts sharing their secrets and training tips for companion dogs, older dogs, rescue dogs, and just your average puppy. And so Andrea is going to be also writing the foreword, and we have her, um, her wonderful training tips. And we also have, and I'm personally so excited about this, is First Lady Barbara Bush is going to write the foreword for our book. And as most people know, she is an animal lover. She wrote Millie's book about, you know, from Mm -hmm. Millie's point of view about life in the White House. She has two adorable multi-poos, Minnie and Bibi, and two are now her adorable little pets. And she agreed to write the foreword, which we're very excited. And as you know, President Bush 41 wrote the foreword to Unbreakable Bonds. So having their support, and they have been tremendously supportive of us, um, even with Unbreakable Bonds, just one little aside... When the book came out, and, you know, they're very pro-veterans uh, and wounded warriors. Do you know, they invited us to their house, and we had all of the ten moms in our book and the kids. We went to Kenny Bunkport, Maine, and we had a wonderful visit with not just President Bush and Barbara Bush, but George W. and Laura Bush. And Tyler Jeffries, who's also in this book with Apollo, got to propose and, to his girlfriend, who is now his wife, uh, unexpectedly in front of both presidents and first ladies at their house. So, <laughs> wow. yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Unexpected, but really funny. And now they're married, and Uh, You know, I'm hoping that they'll do it again for us because it was a beautiful experience for the veterans and for um, the moms, you know, coming to their house. But Mrs. Bush has been a tremendous advocate also for literacy and through her Barbara Bush Foundation for Family Literacy. She's done so much great work, so we could not be happier.
1: I can see. Leslie, I'd love it if you could help us. We're not ready for the end of the show just yet, but I want to make sure that you have enough time because I'd love to hear what you would guide or recommend to other considering getting a service dog. What are some of the considerations, thoughts um, that they should take into consideration as they're thinking about such a decision?
4: Right. Well, probably the biggest is kind of looking at what your daily life is like, you know, say what are the, the tasks that maybe you need help with. Is it more, you know, physical-type tasks or more mental-type, you know, as far as depending on if it's visible or invisible wounds or combination of, of both, certainly. And seeing where you think a service animal could help best. And then taking some time to research, I think, the different organizations or even talking to fellow uh, wounded, ill, and injured service members and getting, you know, their their take on maybe some of the ins and outs or pros and cons of, of ways of, of approaching. And then also kind of looking at an understanding, and you can get this too, from talking to other people, more or less understanding what going out into public with a service animal, you know, will entail. Because sometimes I feel I carry this giant bag. It's for Isaac, you know, because it's, it's somewhat like you have to have everything <laughs> almost like a child, even though, you know, Isaac mm-hmm. is helping me, but it's it's all about Isaac. So, you know, I have his blanket, I have his, you know, his all of his treats, everything. And so when you're dealing with say disabilities or challenges and you add in a service animal, that comes along with it, if that kinda of makes sense. So you're gonna be adding mm-hmm. to maybe what you are already dealing with and working with or through when you, whether at your house or at work or going out in into public. But I mean, I am the biggest advocate for service animals. Um, any of these amazing creatures that can do, you know, to, to help because it truly does make a difference. And I think for me, like I said, it, it just kind of all clicked. And I think, that's what gave me the go ahead and knowing that it was time and I was ready myself. Because when you bring in a a service animal into your home, you have to be responsible for them as well. You can't, uh, let's say, not that you would, but you can't neglect them because they rely on you. And so you have to, I think, just be fully ready and prepared to take on that responsibility. But again, the reward of that is just, truly incredible and one that you would never regret.
2: Definitely. I think that it's important to talk about that. I mean, you wouldn't think that um, anyone would kind of neglect them, but it's it's important to note that.
3: And the VA will, so, um, if you do get a service dog um, from the VA, they will retest them every number of years to make sure they're still able to function that way and they don't do that forever Um, and it's really interesting too which is something we learned from one of our veterans in the story justin who was uh, talking about gnome and he said basically that he loves gnome so much that when he no longer can be a service dog he wants to keep him and will never get another service dog until gnome passes because he never wants gnome to feel that he's second Mm -hmm. fiddle it's just so sweet Mm -hmm. that You know, all of, like, we all know who love our animals. They're your children, and they're your best friends, and they mean so much to you. They give you so much, and, you know, you give to them. I mean, the beautiful thing with Leslie is, can you imagine that Isaac would be gone if not for Leslie? He would not be here in this earth. And so what Leslie has given to Isaac is also a beautiful chance at life. And I have to say, Leslie will never tell you this, but since she's had Isaac and done so well, do you know this woman is, no joke, an actress, an advocate, uh, a writer? She does everything, uh, you know, just the way she would always do it and maybe with a little bit more passion because of, of her situation. But she is just an amazing, amazing woman. She probably would be the same amazing woman without Isaac, but I think with Isaac, it just gave her just a whole new, like she was saying, a new confidence and just made her life so much more rich. And I think that's the beauty of what I've learned from this book is that, oh, my goodness, and I know we have two giant labradoodles. They're the best, and we love them just like our kids, and that we love our animals. And whether they're service, companion, pigs, horses, birds, whatever, cats, they they really contribute to our lives. And I think that, like I always say in the, we say in the book, the VA, they don't need a study, the veterans don't need a study to tell you how, if you have PTSD and emotional issues, that a, an animal is not going to change your life, and they, they really do.
1: You know, I, th- I think what you are bringing up today, both of you, are, are such important considerations, but the bottom line on all of this is that service animals, animals in general, pets, companion animals, and especially service animals, add a richness to life it also gives you something to take care of and gives a purpose to sometimes when people really feel that either depression is overtaking or it's a difficult time. So great deal of benefit to having these animals in our lives. I'd love to give out the three organizations you mentioned. There's canine for veterans and that is the one with Marines training dogs. There's pets for patriots that have 260 shelters Uh, around the country that they're linked to and there's Horses Helping Heroes. There are many other groups. Please look up locally, and thank you both for being with us today. We'll talk to you thank next you. week.
0: today to Military thank Network you. Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you an another program to enhance